know, you can't you can't save everyone and you cannot save everyone. And I had to learn that. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to be selfish and especially when you're in pursuit of your goals. Hey, everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is writer and poet Wallace Lane. From Park Heights and Belvedere to the halls of University of Baltimore, Wallace navigated a life where violence and police brutality occurred with abnormal normality. Listen as he explains why he hid his writing from his mom and grandmother, the anxiety of creativity, and why he had to be selfish to be happy. Stay tuned. What about your face, black boy? What about the universe, don't you understand? Your beastly eyes fixated on the most high king. Your beady head, a lush continent in a drowning world. Can't you see your nose? A compass to an ivory coast. They carved out the finxes. Give me your bottom lip, black boy. Animals can never eat from the same palate as kings do. In you, they are testaments, secrets rooted in African soil. The sun shines on your face, black boy. Let your melanin shine also. Hold your face steady, child. That was the poem, Things My Granny Says While Vaselining My Face. Poems like this and more are the subject of Wallace Lane's debut book of poetry, Jordan Year. Before we learn more about the book and what it took to write it, let's learn more about the author. I met up with Wallace at Druid Lake Park. He wore casually ripped jeans, a black t-shirt, and a pair of highlighter orange Air Maxes. We sat on a park bench close to where the new construction for the reservoir was going on. The sun was setting fast, but people still enjoyed the warm summer evening, as you'll hear throughout the interview. We start at the beginning. Um, I grew up in West Baltimore, Northwest Baltimore to be exact, off of Park Heights and Belvedere, um, the blocks, uh, St. Charles Street. <laughs> I definitely owe a lot to where I'm from, man, and, and what I've seen and what I've been through. I was fortunate to be raised in a family by, like, strong black women. So I look at them like matriarchs, man. Um, so I learned my important values by, you know, the women that I was raised by. In particular, like, my mom and my grandma, my old, you know, that there's no Jordan here. There's no uh, master's degree. There's no me living to tell this story if it wasn't for them. Um, so, you know, they always taught me, it's, it's not where you live, it's how you live. So even though I was raised in, in, in this neighborhood where I, I encountered and I saw death, I saw violence, I saw drugs, I saw murder, um, I hadn't seen it all, but, you know, I was always taught that you should see the beauty in everything. I was always taught to never forget where I came from. So I owe a lot of my success to uh, my mom and my grandma. The matriarchs of the Lane family expected nothing less than deference from young Wallace, respect for everyone, even those who try to tear you down. Anyone can tell you turning the other cheek and going high is tough, especially in a neighborhood where weakness can spell tragedy. When he was 12, Wallace's grandmother sent him to St. Ignatius a Jesuit high school for boys just like Wallace. Shout out to them. Of course, the prestige of private school made Wallace a target early on. I remember just like catching a bust of and then getting laughed at because I had on uh, a tie, <laughs> you know what I mean? I had on a tie and I didn't like it at first, but I mean, I appreciate it now. 
While at St. Ignatius, Wallace developed a talent for writing. He didn't start with poetry, but was in the same wheelhouse. Me and my friends, my cousins, we had rhyme books, <laughs> and we were just writing out rhyme books and uh, write raps. I always wanted to tell a story with, with my rhymes and my raps, and that led to me writing poetry. Now, when you, when you started getting into poetry and writing and stuff, was it difficult trying to tell your mom or your grandma that's, like, that's what you were into? Um... I, I really didn't even tell my mom or my grandma because I know like that was a that was an ass whipping thing <laughs> if I told them I was writing raps in class and <laughs> doing things of that nature. St. Ignatius kept Wallace out of trouble with his strict schedule and mandatory extracurricular activities like playing sports. For high school, Wallace went to Cardinal Gibbons. Shout out to all my Gibbons family. High school for Wallace was a bit of a breeze. St. Ignatius kept him busy and working so hard, when he went to Cardinal Gibbons, he was relearning some of the things middle school had taught him. High school was so easy, in fact, I got bored. After graduating from Cardinal Gibbons, Wallace knew the next stop on his path of righteousness. We was always raised to leave that college was like the the ultimate, the ultimate, yeah, that was it. You know what I'm saying? College was what we had to do to break the curse. College was every every parent's dream for their child. Wallace enrolled, got in, and graduated. A proud alumnus of Coppin State University, he majored in criminal justice. It was a choice made because of where he was from, but also because for a time... I can be quite honest now, like when I got to college, I was lost. For a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. My friend, um, Vernon, he was a criminal justice major, and you know, he was just like killing it, like all oh, A's, like <laughs> he was killing it. So he's like, yo, you got, you know, you got, you got a major in this. You know, I took his advice, I majored in it. Me and me approaching criminal justice, it was definitely in response to like what I saw in my neighborhood. And you know, how could I, how can I help my neighborhood? You know, I come from this high crime area. How can I help it? I knew like me choosing crime, I didn't want to be a police officer, um, but I knew I wanted to help juveniles and delinquents and adolescents and so I wanted to come from it like a uh, psychological aspect. From your BA you got an MFA in what was it creative writing? Yeah creative writing and uh, publishing arts at the University of Baltimore. Uh, shout out to the University of Baltimore uh, the class of 2017 which is my class. Uh, oh so you just graduated this uh, year? Yeah I just graduated. Congratulations. Man, yeah appreciate it bro appreciate it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What was yeah. that uh, what was that journey like? Oh, it, it wasn't easy, you know. Um, it's a it's a master's program. Um, it, it was definitely like worth it. It wasn't an easy journey, you know, like working full time and then going to school and then still scraping up some creativity to bang a poem out every night or a story or an essay. It wasn't easy at all, but it it was it was worth the journey. Once I had graduated from Coppin, I was 23 years old. My friend, he got me a job at uh, a residential treatment center for uh, at-risk adolescents. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm following my dream, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. But um, it was just hard mentoring kids who were locked up and who had extensive criminal backgrounds or psychological issues. Like seeing that stuff every day, it was just hard for me, especially as a 23-year-old man. And I had to have an honest conversation with myself. I'm, I'm like, man, like, you know, I, I looked at, I actually looked in the mirror one day and I'm like, yo, what are you doing? You know, I had an honest conversation with myself and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been a decent writer. How about I pursue a degree in writing? That's been my dream since 23, which, which kind of has a lot of significance to uh, 
the title of the book, Jordan Year, um, a lot happened when I was 23. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, the rest of my interview with Wallace Lane, back in the flash. Hey, this is Local Color. I'm Jason V. When we took our break, my guest Wallace Lane was talking about switching from a career in criminal justice and working at a juvenile facility to following his dreams and getting his MFA in creative writing from UB. A switch from civil service to something in the arts is a stark change, but Wallace knew he wouldn't be happy if he kept going back to work at the facility. When, when, when you made that decision to move away from criminal justice, was there a part of you that felt like you were turning your back on those kids or turning your back on uh, trying to do better for your neighborhood? Did you ever feel any guilt about it? Absolutely not. I felt like I was doing, I was doing the right thing. I'm not going to change anyone's lives because there, there's stipulations to in the action and there's, there's rules in place to how far you can help. A person and you you know you can't you can't save everyone and I had to learn that I mean either help these kids by staying here or I'm gonna help these kids by writing something that will help change their lives and I felt like writing and pursuing that MFA, MFA degree was something that could be of huge help to helping these kids even though Wallace left the criminal justice field behind, becoming a published writer and telling stories that his mentees could relate to was his way of supporting and giving back to his community. The culmination of his life, his upbringing, and his experiences is Jordan Year. A self-published book of poems, Jordan Year's title is significant to Wallace as well. I wanted my first, autobi- my, my first book to be autobiographical. Poetry isn't autobiographical because it's not memoir, but I wanted it to be influenced by my life and my story. So, like, I approached the book by, I I wanted to start in childhood, like my childhood in the 90s, and then somehow I wanted to end up to an age, you know, I'm 28 years old right now. I knew I didn't want to tell my whole story, so I needed a, a, a cutoff age, and I looked at ages that had some significance. Of course, you look, you have your, like your sweet 16, or you had when you turned 21, but 23 was important to me because um, that's when I graduated college. That's when I, I first started writing poetry again. I've been writing since I was 12, but I started really writing at 23. I got published again, um, and my mom and dad had me when they were both 23 years old. So, um, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to name the book 23. So, you know, I looked on social media and I always see like people usually when they turn 23, they be like, hey, it's my Jordan. Yeah, turn up. I just really wanted to talk about all the things a black boy sees. Those key things that happens and like, you know, the shapes of boyhood. So like I open up as a boy, I open up. If you, you pay attention to like the section headers, I open up when I'm six years old. And I talk about seeing drugs or seeing racism by cops or seeing, you know, looking out and seeing your ghetto like in the poem when Jordan returned. That that poem is about like having fun in the hood. So um, I wanted to talk about those disparities. And then once I got to the second chapter, I wanted to talk about like all those things teenage boys struggle with, teenage black boys struggle with. uh, murder, seeing murder and not understanding that, theft and drug dealing and, and all those things. 
and then and if you're lucky like me i'm fortunate i was fortunate to make it to c21 a lot of black boys aren't in baltimore city so the the third chat there is basically about you know how a black man by the time you make it to manhood you see all this fucked up shit and you had no choice but to accept it and make beauty of it i quote confucius everything has beauty but not everyone sees it there's a fucked up beauty in seeing the world for what it is you'll never be surprised or have expectations a popular hashtag used to celebrate life's turn up moments wallace wanted to add unabashed realness to the term jordan here Plenty of writers draw on their personal experiences for inspiration and ideas, and the hard part isn't even getting the ideas down on paper or saved to a Word document. The hardest part is killing the doubt inside you. I remember those nights when I'm, I'm writing and I'm like, yo, ain't, ain't nobody gonna get it. Like, Or in, in the back of my mind, like, what if nobody picks it up? What if nobody, what if nobody buys this? Like, what if nobody gets it? Even after writing, there was still the task of publishing. Jordan Year is a self-published work, as we previously mentioned, and while self-publishing is a viable option for many writers nowadays, it still requires a tremendous amount of work. You have to pick the cover and the font and the type of paper. There's quotes to use, are on the back of the book, editing, publishing fees. For Wallace, killing that doubt inside him paid off. He sold his entire first run of Jordan Year copies and is planning to publish a second edition. Though he self-published his autobiographical book of poetry, Wallace pays respect to those who helped him along the way. I've been fortunate to be around some excellent writers, um, some excellent dope writers in the city. They've they've shown me the ropes, you know, especially uh, especially D. Watkins, man. He was like one of the first people I told I wanted to enter into the program, and he was in his last year um, when I had when I first met him. And, um, you know, he had just gave me the blueprint like, yo, this is what you should expect going into this program. And um, he, he's definitely like been someone who's been influential in, in my writing experience. Um, Stephen Laver, who's a, a poet and professor at the University of Baltimore. Sharia Harris, um, Justin Sanders. Uh, like I said, my cohorts that I graduated with, uh, shout out Heron Press, Zakia Oskri. Charles, uh, Jaquetta, like my, my, my professors, like Kendra Kapelke, uh, Stephen Mantali, and uh, Marion Winnick, Guandani Fidel. I've, I've been fortunate to be around people who really, you know, are out, are out there putting in work. It's been an arduous process getting Jordan Year published, and Wallace savored every moment of it. When asked about the future, continue writing, continue to find my voice on the page, continue to like just put out books and not just put out poetry. Like I've, I went to school for writing, so I, I know how to write essays. I know how to write memoir. Fiction is something I want to learn how to do. So like I, I just want to, I want to write those things that scare, that scare me. You know what I'm saying? So you stretch yourself. Stretch yourself, yeah. Um, stretch yourself, and I definitely plan on uh, teaching. Just getting better in the craft, getting better as a man, just, you know, finding my progress and finding my path, you know. If you want to learn more about Wallace Lane, purchase a copy of Jordan Year, or just see what he's up to. Follow me on IG. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you feel like one of the rappers. Yeah, follow, follow me on IG. Uh, that's W-A-L-L-Y-K-O-O-L, Wally Cool. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, Facebook, I'm Wallace.Lane1, and uh, Twitter, I'm WallaceLane underscore. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. 
Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on Apple Podcasts to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. We're going to do something a little different this episode. You know who makes this show, and you know where to find it. I'll let Wallace have the last word. I'm going to read this poem about uh, this old school play, man. We used to, <laughs> somebody around the way we used to look at as kids, man. Uh, yeah, the name of the poem is uh, Thurry on an Old School Player. Your casket fresh, creased three-piece suit, silky shirt, matching handkerchief. Your satin-flavored collar, scale-tipped gaiters, fragrant, fresh Egyptian musk. Your prickly shaven face, smooth and rough as elephant skin. Your muscular veiny hands, wide but stiff like an embalmed body. You one of them old players that strolling church late. Pops, I wanna be as smooth as the teeth of your comb, licking the grain of your slick back fade, or as shiny as the bling of your one gold tooth. My grandmother said you was a fine brother back in the day. Your theories on bad dreams and odd lots on numbers. Must have something to do with the relax you played with women in gangster Harlem nightclubs. Pops, you ain't nothing but a gold chain wearing. Three out of five rings on each finger having. One tooth crowned in gold sporting. Limo driver not the owner stunting. Joe cool bopping. Gigolo rolling stones. Ten kids, five families type of man. But what we really love is your notion to call us nephew. And we ain't even blood. <laughs> yeah man so shout out to all them old school players man like that that definitely influenced that poem man